you, with you, with you, with you, with you. With Welcome you, to With You, you a women's rugby you, community with podcast. With you. I'm Suze. With you. I use she, her pronouns, and I'll be with your host. You. Always with you. What up, fam? This week's episode is going to be a little different than what we've been doing. In honor of Women's History Month, you'll be hearing from two speakers bringing light to different women's issues in rugby and in the larger world. The first speaker shares how rugby transformed her relationship to her body and in turn her relationship to other women. You can hear Leslie's full talk in Season 1, Episode 10. The second speaker is from a future episode set to be released later this month. She brings the perspective of a transgender athlete, reflecting on the current political climate where trans rights are being attacked around the globe and calling us to stand as allies against the injustice. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts or follow on Spotify and don't miss Grace's full episode. From both perspectives, I hope you remember that women will always be strongest when we stand together in growth and against oppression. I hope you feel into how important women's rugby has been in your personal coming of age and how it's contributed to your sense of belonging. I hope you reflect on and understand that true feminism must be intersectional. Part one. I know a lot of people, you know, they talk about the freshman 15. Uh-huh. I actually, I went into uh, to college at about a, 205 pounds, five foot four. Mm-hmm. And I ended up losing 60 pounds my first season of rugby. <laughs> 60 pounds. Wow. That, yep. That is so, wow. That is so much. It's so, because not everybody does that. Like some people might lose weight. Some people might put on weight, but like that was a really transformative thing for you, right? Oh yeah. I mean, it was, it was really powerful for me because, you know, I was finding muscles. I didn't know I had, I was learning that I could be a runner when I didn't know that I could, I I really had just assumed that I couldn't. Yeah. I was, I was learning how to take care of my body and I was feeling, you know, just stronger and more like myself, which was great. Yeah. That's so cool. Like getting to know your physical body better helped, you know, like yourself as in total better. Being a lock first off too, also, made you aware of your strength um, because it's such a crucial position in the scrum um, just to like put support those props and then have people flankers hanging on you but I you know I when I started playing with you you were a flanker already I think so did that yeah. come, that came after your your weight loss yeah so that was sort of my my aspirational position because I was you know growing up um, I was always too much right too aggressive too bossy too whatever uh and so uh, my aspirational position when I first started was was number six I wanted to be strong side flank Uh I wanted to make those hard hits right off the scrum Uh you know I I really wanted that so uh so after the weight loss and getting more into shape Mm -hmm. and finding myself and finding other people who who were better suited for second row yeah uh then I got to move into the the flanker position I, I don't uh-huh. know if you remember Candace, but um, I remember Candace for sure. <laughs> yeah, but you Candace remember a, what she was like? She was Candace is a badass. Beat. Yeah, like yeah, big, so. strong, very fast, aggressive. Really, like she was one of those vets that I was like that I immediately was like, whoa, role model, intimidated, but also you're amazing. Like I want to be like you when I grow up, right? Oh yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. She was, she was just really, uh, really a strong person, a strong personality. And she was really blunt. Mm-hmm. And so I remember I was doing practice, um, tackling practice. I was working with her and she would of course just say like, 
hit me, hit me as hard as you can. Nope, that's not it. Try again. Nope, nope, you got to hit me harder than that. Try again. And so, uh, so I started doing it. And, and, you know, she, like I said, she was very <laughs> honest about everything. And she's like, we're, <laughs> we're going to work, we're going to work off these roles, you know? And uh, <laughs> so, um, and she would always talk about like, you know, as we got closer, you know, talk about her experience growing up and, you know, how she didn't eat healthy and she, you know, her parents didn't really enforce, you know, healthy eating and exercising and stuff. And she had to work really hard for that. And so I really related to that story because it was pretty much the same for me. You know, I didn't grow up eating healthy or even understanding, you know, nutrition and exercise and things like that. So, so yeah. it was good to have somebody to, to work with that on. You mentioned this before. So part of coming onto the rugby team was you learning to have, or you becoming friends with women also, right? Yes. Yeah. What was it yeah, like before? That was really something that I had, I had struggled with, um, especially I think in, in high school, because um, I was always super involved in a lot of different activities. Uh-huh. Uh, and I had a, a few close friends, um, but for the most part, a lot of my friends were guys. Uh-huh. Um, and I think because I did have somewhat of a competitive spirit, I didn't have you know, even though I was pretty assertive and I took on like leadership roles, uh-huh. I still didn't have a kind of self-esteem um, and I just didn't have a great, uh, a great way of connecting with other women. So I just didn't. And, um, and I think, you know, as I came into college, as I started finding myself more, as I started, you know, working more with the, the rugby girls, uh-huh. then it was like, I want all of these women to be my friends. I want to empower other women to like find themselves too mm-hmm. and to be strong and to do what they want to do. And it sort of became my goal. And I started looking at women so much differently is like less competition and more of like, oh man, look at her shoulders. You know, I bet bet she would be a great lifter. Uh Look at this person. She's so fast, man. She would be excellent uh, as our fullback. You know, it's just, you start really evaluating women for their strengths Uh more. Uh Um, And that was a big, a big part of my, uh, my growth in college. (laughs) Yeah. Like finding value. Well, it's like finding value in yourself. And I wonder, and I'm just speculating, but I think this happened for me as, as well. Like the more value I started to find in myself, the more I could also see it in people around me because I was, I like had loved myself. I had found a place that I belonged and it, it allowed me to come to a, come from a place that I could also value people around me, like specifically women. It's kind of different than like what can be normal or what can be considered normal for for women in, in society. Yeah. I think that there's a lot, um, a lot of societal pressure to be competitive and to, to try to outdo one another and to be catty and to be, you know, sure. and I'm not saying that there wasn't an element of that. Of course there was sure. it's college and a bunch of women, but, but it's so much greater. Uh, it's, it's, it's greater than yourself and greater than, um, than any one person when yeah. you start to work together as a team. realize each other's strengths and appreciate each other for what you're bringing to the table. Yeah. Yeah. Rugby culture, it was like, it's just wonderful for that too. I mean, even outside of your own team, um, like having socials with other team and, and being like genuinely interested in them as people and, and like also impressed by them for things that they did on the rugby field. And, and yeah, just coming from that, that place is, is huge. Part two. 
So my name is Grace McKenzie. I am 28 years old. I play rugby for the Berkeley All Blues Women's Rugby Club. Um, I'm, I'm really a forward at heart. Um, I just love the physicality of it and being in the rucks at all times. Finding rugby was really like a coming home for me because it combines everything I love about other sports I've played. I think important for the context of this conversation, I'm a trans woman who plays rugby, which unfortunately today in the current conversation around trans rights is a hot button issue and our participation in sports is being politicized to a degree that really hasn't been seen before. It got to the point in like September-ish of last year where I just decided I wanted to play high-level rugby and needed to be a part of a club that could be conducive to that. So I, I shifted over to the All Blues and, you know, I've played with a lot of the, the folks over there anyways, either against them or with them because some of our players did move over. So it was really easy to just integrate with that culture and you know the all blues really stepped up when we were doing the advocacy work against world rugby with rugby for all you know boosting everything that we had they came up with their own trans inclusion policy and passed it as part of their charter uh, they even at one point through all of that advocacy work out of the blue just sent me a scholarship like a couple hundred dollars just to like thank me for the work that i was doing so you know unlike coming into gate in the first time i ever played rugby being very kind of trepidatious and feeling unsure whether I'd fit in or whether I'd be welcome. It was my first time playing women's sports. All those fears were allayed after the fact, but I was quite nervous in the beginning. None of those nerves would be all blues. I knew that they knew who I was. They knew the person that I was kind of bringing to the pitch. And I knew that they they didn't care about, you know, those parts of my identity. It was like, you're a, a woman who wants to play rugby. Like, please, you're welcome on the pitch with us. Um, and I've had no issues whatsoever since joining that club. Wow. Yeah, that's big props to the All Blues for doing that, sharing your work, but also knowing that you were supported must have been just such a great, must have been such a great feeling. It really, really was. And like I'm, so me and my partner are getting ready to move to Brooklyn potentially in November of this year. And, you know, I'm looking at the clubs out there. I know some folks at the Village Lions, some um, like Berkeley players currently played with NYRC, who's probably who I'm going to play with out there. But as a trans woman, every single time I come into a new sporting environment, you have these like nagging questions of like, do I come out to people? If so, whom? If so, when? If they react poorly, what do I do? You know, like, how, what are my coaches going to think? What is this player going to think who has this background, who comes from this part of the country? And, you know, those are pieces of baggage that you carry with you like focusing on conditioning and learning the game and you know training in the gym and all these things that people have to do to be successful at rugby anyways mm -hmm. and i think a lot of the conversation right now about trans inclusion those sorts of barriers to access and barriers to participating in sports are not talked about you know this like rhetoric is all about protecting women's sports and when they say that they really mean cis women and they don't think about how hard it is for us to just get into sports to begin with let alone play at a high level like you know, there's never been a trans woman who played at the elite level of the game in the 20 years we've been allowed to play anyways. So I think, you know, like women athletes face enough challenges to begin with to our participation in sport, right? Like you look at the chronic underfunding, you look at the lack of facilities and equipment, you look at the sexism, the harassment, the discrimination, mm -hmm. you know, all these sorts of things that are barriers to us participating in sports. Like the amount of eagles I know, you know, who play at the highest level of the game in our country who like have to work full-time jobs mm -hmm. in addition to training full-time so they can pay for their like you know, economy flights all around the world so that they can, you know, participate and represent our country. You know, you look at the men's sides and they're not having to do that, right? So they get the funding that they need, they get the support that they need. And, 
you know, when I think about the infighting that these opponents to trans inclusion are trying to sow, like that is so far from what we need right now. Like mm -hmm. if there are more women who want to join this game and help like grow the game and help advocate for equal treatment and help advocate for us to clear some of those actual barriers, like why would you want less teammates, less people on your side, less people who are going to show up and march with you, you know? It just like yeah. seems so ridiculous. And that's why when you actually dig into this stuff and look behind the curtains, the people making these arguments and peddling this discrimination, they're not rugby players, right? They're not athletes. They're just people who hate trans people and people who have been like indoctrinated into this anti-trans panic that's going on right now. And it's like, we shouldn't be listening to those people. Like talk to your teammates, talk to people who actually play the game, talk to people who care about this, right? Like, I think what we're missing right now is allies, specifically cis allies in the sport, like getting pissed off, like getting as passionate as we get about, you know, playing with our teams and winning championships and like, screaming from the rooftops for the sisters in the game who you know we're like a small minority there's like two dozen of us who play in the states right like even if we were talking as loudly as possible all the time online on panels whatever it was like we're still just like a blip of sound in this like sea of conversation that's going on um and we just need allies to kind of step up and and amplify our voices or else we're just going to get drowned out you know and that's what's going on not just in our sport but you know, we've seen like over 150 pieces of anti-trans legislation introduced in the United States. Yes, some of them focus on sports as a wedge issue, but, you know, things that are really cruel, like focused on taking away access to healthcare for trans youth, you know, focused on, I remember seeing this one in Tennessee where they now require businesses who allow trans people to use the bathroom they're comfortable in to post these like huge red, like, aggressive signs basically warning cis customers that you might be in the bathroom with a trans person oh you know like i saw a segment on fox news the other day where they were literally teaching people how to spot trans women in public like giving them tutorials on how to hunt us you know and it's like there's parts of this country now that i won't even travel to and i say that as like a white relatively affluent you know passing trans woman who has mm -hmm. a ton of privileges that some of my other sisters don't and it just like you know, 98% of media coverage of trans issues is coming from like vitriolic right-wing media. And we've basically heard silence from the left or from the center. So there's no counter arguments being made. We're kind of just being left in the dust right now. So I think if this podcast reaches anybody, like that's the ask I have for you, like talk to trans people, read our stuff and just like get loud, get pissed off. Imagine yourself losing access to the sport and what that would mean for you and how devastating it would be. And like mm -hmm. put yourself in our boots and 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 just stand with us because we're going to stand with you on on issues that pertain to you and you know that are important to to women everywhere and um, i think we're just looking for a little bit of reciprocity right now yeah well there's our call to action it's here right mm -hmm. right there yeah yeah thank you. and we're here to help too right like mm -hmm. i i never say no to answering questions talking about my experience like i say that as a responsibility that I have because of the privileges I have, you know, like if you're unsure about this and, you know, you're not settled on the science, quote unquote, right? And you want to talk to somebody who's gone through hormones, who's like seen their performance diminish, who has the data to back it up, sources that aren't biased and discriminatory, mm -hmm. just reach out, ask, you know, I'm, I'm an open book about this kind of stuff because demystifying the experience is the best way for us to build empathy with other people less than one in four americans actually know an openly trans person in their life so if you have no context on what our experience is like 
I don't fault you for failing to build empathy with us, you know, but it is your responsibility to get out that bubble and, um, and actually connect with folks and learn about their experience so you can show up as an ally if that's something you want to do. And that's our show today. Thanks for listening along. We'll be back next week with a brand new guest, a high school player from Minnesota. Until then, all my love.